Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ah, hello there, dear listener. It's me, Joe. I notice you've tuned in once again to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. Just remember, we dish out double the content over on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. Go on, you'll love it. You'll pay your monthly fee and I will literally roll around in your hard-earned cash, probably wearing something provocative. (laughs) Jay's not going to like this advert at all. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Mark Packham. Second verse, same as the first, a little bit louder and a little bit worse. And we have swapped Jay Cross for Matt Knight. I'm back, baby. Yes, that's right. Matt is back from the dead, but we uh, we don't have... Uh, Jay Cross. So we still don't have a full team. So even after what must be seven or eight weeks, we have failed to actually get the four. This is the beauty of the Guitar Nerds podcast. Like people can switch in and out. You know, it's still yeah. good stuff. We're yeah. still giving. Do people even out- remember who I am. Well, yeah, there, there have been several people on the group who have mentioned that you might have died. Yeah, um, and um, they were sad about that. But I it's- didn't. I just went all over Europe. I've done seven countries already this year, including the UK. You can't count the UK. Come on. <laughs> I, yeah, I can. You if I have to go, go if I if I have to go out of it and back into it, at one point I left it. Might not have even been part of the EU by the time I came back. Yeah, so, that is know. true. That was dangerous. But um, I don't think you can count the UK in the in the country. Wait, are you, you counting the UK every time you come back? Yeah, I've done seven countries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's actually only done three. Yeah. Um, um, but it is uh, no. it is fantastic to have you back on the podcast, Matt. Because when when you are not on the Guitar Nerds podcast, uh, I find it very difficult for us to do any subjects in depth because you're very much the uh, you're very much the um, the the capacitors and resistors man. You're the the knowledge guy. Um, Whereas, I'm the one that holds everything together, like George Harrison. Yeah, well, yeah, know, yes, he, exactly. He has the in 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 many ways, uh, that is true. Whereas you know, we we've got it's fine for Mark because we can talk about if we if we talk about something that's been in production for a long time, then Mark can talk about you know twenty years ago when he sold it in a in a shop. Did my first day at a guitar shop twenty years ago this year. That is um, an outrageously long amount of time ago to have 
worked in a guitar still, shop. Still, still, and still be talking about it now. Still Wait, that's, kicking. That's not even. I was about to say that's not even the 21st century, but that's true. That is, Wait, yeah, that is true. true. It wasn't in the 21st century. Um, but yeah, I was trying to remember, and I wonder if I can go back and find it, like what day it actually was when I started. Which guitar shop? Gak. It was Gak. Yeah, did you my work, work experience at Gak, and then. Uh, so that was like a week and then didn't work there for like another year after that. And then, yeah, and then worked there. And that's we all know how that ended. Ended with me sitting around this table with you chumps. Yeah. That is, what, uh, what did you do on your first day, Mark? Loads of hoovering. And that's why I got a job a year later. It's because <laughs> they, they remembered me for the person who had done the best hoovering. Huh? And uh, that's what they needed. Someone who was actually good at doing the and, hoovering. You know, the, great, the great thing is, is even when we worked at the store together, we'd still do the hoovering. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> what, what amazes me is that we'd got to the point where we had work experience people and they were so rubbish at doing the hoovering, we still did the hoovering. Um, <laughs> Even like 15 years later, hmm. just shows, you know, it was always there inside of me, the uh, the ability to be the best. And, uh, <laughs> hoovering, yeah. And, uh, hoovering. Know, yeah. Hoovering. And, you know, I'm not afraid every now and then to, to whip the old hoover out. No, no, absolutely. If there's one thing I know about you, it's that whipping hoovers out is... Uh, I do is... love to whip it out. Absolutely. Matt, how did you, uh, how did you start your first day I, at a guitar shop? I held the door open... For the owner, new owner of the store, on the first day he opened, um, it's a little bit of it's it's a bit of a loser story. Where are you I'll, from? I'll You're from Ipswich. Ipswich. So Ipswich had like the guitar shop. It was actually called the guitar shop. Creatively named. Yeah, and it was like one of the. It was it was a wicked store actually. It was built in a building that dated to like from the like 1400s outside this old manor house in this country park and it was it had like uh like three or four different floors it was this really cool interior building this guy had run it for years and then um he was one of the kind of the last big stores before everyone started moving to mail order and i don't think they could have really ever been set up to to do that so he sort of closed it kind of breaking even and then this other guy who i'm still friends with basically moved down from London. He'd worked at a record label for years, had enough. And he was like, I'm going to open a music shop. Um, and this would have been, what, 2002, 2003? And I went down. So this shop had been closed for ages. And then one day my mate phoned me and went, oh, the guitar, I heard the guitar shop's reopening. So I went back down and it was actually really busy. And um, I sort of went in to go and introduce myself. But then I sort of spent the whole day in there just like, meeting people as they came in, like holding the door open while I was trying to talk to the owner about why he'd come down to, to reopen the store. And then he gave me like 20 quid out the till and then told me to come back next Saturday. And then that's what I did. And that's how, <laughs> and that's how I learned everything I know. Wow. About can, holding you can't the door teach that. Open. You that's cannot it. teach that. Because Matt can hold doors open and you can hoover. Yes. That is impressive. How about you, Joe? Was, um... Wasn't your first day in the music shop at GAC? Uh, yeah, in like, no, no. like four years ago. <laughs> no, I worked. I worked at Stan's uh, Guitars. Uh, you know, sort of like quite casually. Stan's, casual. as it in just Stan. Called, well, it was yeah, as in Stan. His name was Stan. There wasn't a name on the guitar shop as such. I'm pretty sure there wasn't a name on it. Oh, uh, I mean this. I mean, I'm from Watford, and this was and people there can't read. <laughs> this <laughs> was this was on Queens Road in Watford. Now Stan's. I mean. I would be very surprised if Stan was actually making his money from selling guitars in that guitar shop. I see. Um, yeah, the, that, that was it. Was a strange place, and Stan was a funny guy. 
but he had some fantastic weird old gear in that shop but but yeah the guitarist in my band was uh was working there so when stan needed extra help um i used to come in and do that so that was my first one but it wasn't really very proper no my first proper guitar shop job was in gack and of course and- i didn't even get the blooming job yeah, biggest mistake we ever made was hiring you. Yeah. We should have stuck with our original decision. <laughs> no one. Um, <laughs> I, I actually um, I actually found a picture on our friend uh, Christus' Instagram of when you and him worked in the bass department together and both had massive, ridiculous moustaches. God, that was, that was honestly, and, that um, was the best time in GAC history. Both of us had huge... Customers used to come out and be like, oh, yeah, I've spoken to someone in the bass department. I was like, was it the one with the moustache or the other one with the moustache? <laughs> we both had, um, yeah, for, for the listener, at the time, we both had massive, very well-waxed, curly moustaches. We were gentlemen. It was a gentleman's bass department. It was good. Oh, those were the days. Those were the days. Yeah, absolutely. I miss Krista. We were terrible two people to have running a department. <laughs> two drunks, like, basically. If, yeah, if you think about how often we were late and or drunk and or still in fancy dress from the night before. I mean, you look like you were in fancy dress most of the time That's anyway. That's the only time we got, the only reason we got away with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I um, we'll, talk, we'll talk about this off after the podcast, but I saw Krista this weekend. And oh, yeah? Yeah, I'll tell you how he is, but it's not really podcast material. Oh, yeah. No one else knows who he is. <laughs> who he is. It's totally pointless. <laughs> Yes, fine. But uh, actually, we we did, in fact, see Matt the other day because me and Mark took uh, a trip um, uh, for Guitar Nerds and Reverb, respectively, to to go and see Matt at the Boss... What do you call it? Is it the Boss Artist Centre? The Roland Artist Centre. Roland Artist Centre, yes. Where was that? Where did we go? Uh, Metropolis Studios in Chiswick. Chiswick. Yeah, Yeah. Metropolis Studios. Yeah, we went there because you were doing a uh, a little presentation and demonstration of the uh, Wazacraft Amp Expander. Yeah, or as you like to put it, the most expensive volume control (laughs) um, available for your guitar rig. Yes, that is what it is. Yes, absolutely. Before you get into it, Matty, I was very surprised uh, because I went in being quite sceptical, mainly because... I hadn't had a chance to hear it yet, and also because Joe keeps reinforcing that thing of it's just a volume control, it's just a volume pedal. It's actually way more than that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 tricky because it it doesn't seem like a very rock and roll product, like anything that's essentially designed to reduce the noise of something. It just seems so counter rock and roll, you know. Yeah, I I, I guess the. The more I've sort of talked about it and the more I've presented it to people and the more that I sort of dive into it, the more I'm like, actually, this is just a cool product to have with your valve amp. It, yeah. And actually, it it, it, it it gets so much more out of your amp that realistically you might not be able to get otherwise. And one thing I always remember is plugging people in a guitar shop to like, you save up for a year and you go, oh, I'm going to go and buy a Hampstead artist 60 and a cab and it costs you three grand and the store's like i'll let you turn it up for five minutes and you're like this sounds great and then you get it home and then everyone's like yeah can you can you turn it down it's like super loud so you'd like put it on one and then it just sounds rubbish because you're not pushing any air out of the amp and you're not driving the amp in any way sure and then this actually allows you to really get something out of your amp at a much more usable volume without the negatives of 
an older tenure because I remember having an old Mesa Boogie combo and buying a THD hot plate. And the more I turned up the volume and the more I attenuated, the worse it sounded. Yeah. To the point where I was like, I might as well just not use it. Well, explain that and for a bit because it's because that's that's the interesting thing about the amp expander and what separates it from a normal attenuator. So, so like talk talk us through what you know. I guess what makes makes it reactive because that's what this is coming down to. Is yeah, I mean, so the reactive. Yeah, I mean, the reactive load part isn't something unique to the tube amp expander. Obviously, things like Oxbox and other units like the Sir IR loader and all that have a reactive load in. What a reactive load is mimicking the impedance curve of a guitar speaker and what that back and forth interaction between your amp and the speaker actually is. There's a physical current that goes between the two. And different speaker loads will affect the way that your amp responds. So it's not just the sound coming out of the speaker. It's the way that it will respond physically to the speaker load. So what the, the tube amp expander does is mimic different types of speaker load in a, in an analog world. Um, so you can dial in the type of speaker load to your amp. So if you're using something high gain like an old Marshall Plexi, it's going to respond and feel very different running into a 412 as it was through a 112. So this box basically mimics... The load of a speaker so your amp thinks it's plugged into a speaker and will work and respond as though it was plugged into a speaker but then what it's doing is rather than then pumping that sound straight back out into the speaker and then you're attenu attenuating it through resistors which ultimately lose top end that was always the problem with things like hot plates you're physically resisting the load out of the load box into the speaker um this basically reamps the whole thing through a 100-watt solid-state power amp. So any amp you plug into it, a 100-watt amp is still 100 watts, but you can wind it down. But a 1-watt amp could technically be 100 watts. But it's not resisting the amount of load going to the speaker. It's physically reamping it through another volume control, as it were. Right. So... You can basically always turn it up or down, but the important thing is when you turn it down, you don't lose any feel or response. Yeah, and that and that's the kind of key part to it. There's a bunch of other stuff that it that it does, but that's the key part to it. So rather than like clicking to find the right, you know, setting out of potentially like five or six settings that might just be the volume you want, this physically allows you to turn it up and down like a master volume control, but without physically changing the sound of of your amp and i think that was what was really key um is that your amp just sounds the same no matter what volume it's at it's right. not like you know and there was there was a couple of great things that we did with a couple of other um victory amps it's just you know being able to crank it to the point where you wouldn't normally be able to use it because even at gigs sound engineers like oh, i've mic'd it up so you can just turn it down and you're not really working your amp to its potential so this allows you to unlock a lot of what your amp can do without annoying people basically yeah i guess yeah. it's a simple way to put it i think that was um, the that's what stuck out for me is just like how similar it sounded with the tube amp, a tube amp expander on just turned down um yeah, yeah. The, the signal that you were getting through the desk but like also through the cab as well um just sounded awesome um, just a really neat little box, and for you know, for someone who loves valve amps but can't really crank them at home, um, it's ideal, absolutely ideal. And then yeah. you've obviously got the and speaker sim out for the for recording as well. Yeah, and because it's a, a an audio interface as well, it integrates with you know your 
DAW. For me, it's just great. Actually, I never need to use a normal audio interface because I I don't do any recording. I don't mic anything up. I can't certainly can't mic, and I don't mic up a cab. And I don't do any vocals. So you actually just leave that plugged in via USB all the time. Yeah, and then just use it as your audio interface. You just turn your amp on, and you can just record straight away. And I thought that was great. And then being able to go and hear that through headphones, and actually like be able to decide what you know speaker cab simulation you want to hear into the headphones as well makes a, a huge difference yeah so i think it's it would be great for people who actually want to record at home obviously a lot of people are like oh it is expensive um how but, much is it i mean com- they will be about 12.99 euros so in pounds about 11.50 so it's very much geared up to be a professional tool like to sit in a rack yeah. in a studio i think so i think but I think you know again coming back to this like if you saved up to buy your dream amp and you spent four grand and you you know on this like friedman for you know the amount of times it would be it would be rarer potentially but you know someone would come in and buy a full mess of boogie stack and then you're like oh it sounded great in store when i could crank it and now i can't at all you know now you can actually get your amp working get a decent sound but at, at low volumes um i think it's just a really nice addition to a rig you know as a whole because i think it just completes a setup basically yeah sure whether you're using it at home casually or whether you're going to use it live but that was the great thing is that you can set it up at home and then take it to a gig and have exactly the same sound and not be reliant on what cab is going to be at the venue or anything like that you know you can feed it straight into a desk you don't even need to take a cab with you anymore i think um what would be great about it is because uh, like i've got uh, a friend who runs a studio and you know most of the time now he's just using kempers um but he loves great valve amps so i think it's that kind of halfway between those two well, things you're sort of you're making valve amps a part of the digital world aren't you yeah that, you know it's it's of course you know things like well the gt1000 and things like helix have you know the ability to do exactly the same sort of silent stage thing or this you know any amp you want in a studio thing but if you actually still really do like that valve amp sound now the valve amp doesn't have to have the disadvantage of being too loud on stage yep. or not being able to run through the front of house and integrate with everything else. Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I can see it as totally as a studio tool for that. You know, if someone's got a really good collection of valve amps, but, you know, they're getting to the stage where the last thing they want to do is be spending tons and tons of time micing stuff up. Um, you know, if they've got to do like a quick session or something like that. You could just have this in the rack. The, the band then brings their amp in, brings their head in, um, and then you go, okay, fine, yeah, you can use that, no problem. We don't need to mic it, it's fine. We'll just run out of your head into this cab sim, yeah. and then it sounds great. Yeah, I actually, I mean, you know, this is the thing. In a studio, you know, even even for me, I might, like, go into somewhere like Brighton Electric that has tons and tons of amps on, on the racks, um, but... You know, but what if I want to that in in the main studio in in Brighton Electric, you've got the drum room, and then you've got the um the the room with the desk, and it's got a little booth in it that you can yeah. put the guitar amp through. But what if you all want to record live? You could the the bass player would have to sacrifice and go full digital, but with you know or you know all the guitarists would would have to someone would have to just have guide because you couldn't have everyone running through real cabs yeah. now now you'd have the option of just choosing ahead running it through that and being able to 
Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I think it's a cool solution. So you're one either. It's yeah. not just a volume pedal I mean, anymore. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm never, ever going to buy one. It's not for me. But, sure. Uh, but yeah, it, I think, you know, fine. It's a, it's a cool it's a cool studio solution. And yeah. I like that it's bringing valve amps into the digital world. That that, like that's it. exactly what I see this box as. You know, it's not a glamorous product. It's very much Well, that was it. That, that was kind of my problem. It's like a, it's like a rackable black box. Yeah. That... The, allows an amp to be a bit quieter. I know you like the look it just of it. Does it really I know, well? <laughs> I know that you like the look of it, Matty. But for me, if it would, do, if it did all the things that it does, but it was in like Burgundy the chassis, mist. the chassis of the Oxbox, yeah. which looks a bit more kind of nice IKEA furniture, uh then uh, you know I'd be happier with that. Yeah, wood, wood wings. Wood is good, like the Junos. You know, wood is good. Okay, wood is good. So, um, uh, so this this weekend just gone. I uh I went to a festival. It was Bad Pond Festival over at Concord Two in in Brighton, which listener is a a fantastic venue, one of the best in. Uh, Were you in, in a Bad in Pond of your own sick? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't sick. I was not sick, which is amazing because this um festival was sponsored by Fireball. So when I turned up backstage, I was greeted by a bottle of cinnamon. Alcohol is that cinnamon vodka? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've heard of Fireball before. Yeah, I've heard it in the same sentence as stuff like Thunderbird, which I believe is also very strong. All oh, right. Yeah, I don't know. It was fine. It was a very cinnamon heavy shot, but uh, but yeah, you know, it was it was good. So you know, we we had that, had a, a bottle of that, and then played a played a show. But um, but no, it was a really good festival. It was like, um, yeah, there were some um. It was headlined by Jamie Lenman, who uh, you know is is still. I don't know who that is. That uh, sounds like a kids' TV presenter. <laughs> he used to be. He was like the guitarist in a in a band called Ruben. Oh um, yeah, some some time ago, like but, the Bagel. But he, uh, yeah, but he uh, he plays he plays like an old Yamaha, like an old weird sort of eighties super strat yamaha i don't know what it is it's covered in stickers it's like his first guitar right which is really weird because he he has a well waxed mustache and wears gentleman's suits has like but he's playing some lovely super strat this wall of white amplifiers and then he has this really cheap covered in stickers very odd yeah it's very very weird very weird um but yeah there i saw some I saw some fantastic bands. I'm going to put some pictures in the group of uh, one band, one three-piece I, I saw called Clip Drip, who uh, um, ha- they're a three-piece with just a singer and a drummer, and then the guitarist, who was absolutely fantastic and has the largest pedal board I think I have, I think maybe I've ever seen. Really? And it uh, it was fantastic. The sounds he was getting, like the sort of big fat like machine gunny tones like they sound like it's kind of like um his guitar sounds it's like almost dance music from the guitar that's a terrible way to describe them because they're in, in, you know there's just this incredible super aggressive band but yeah everything sounds like a synthesizer coming from his guitar is the most outrageous things playing <laughs> all this massive pedal board with a gig rig with the biggest size gig rig switcher um, all of that, and uh, he was playing through um, an Epiphone Les Paul, one of the bolt-on ones, <laughs> where he'd um, he'd just taken out the pickups and put some sort of Gretsch pickup in the bridge, and that was that was, was what was it like a Les Paul special? 
Yeah. Well, like a flat no, top one. No, so it wasn't the flat topped one. It was, was it like the LP one hundred? Yeah, the LP the worst one. The worst. The absolute worst one. one. Um, your description of what he sounds like reminds me of a band called Adabisi Shank. Right. Do you remember them? Uh, well, I'm a, I remember the name. Yeah. Band. Is what so Great band. Great band. Great band. Yeah, totally. I don't know. No, they're, they're not together anymore. I'm just having a look at the uh, Wikipedia. Um, they finished up in 2014. He was using tons of pedals, wasn't he, Matt? Yeah, they had. I think like he was using Whammy quite a lot because they had that sort of like really glitchy sort of computer game esque vibe to them. Yeah, um, there was another band I saw the other day that were doing a very, very similar thing as well, and I'll have to try and find the name. Maybe I'll share it in the group. Who, yeah, had a similar vibe to that. One of the most interesting things I think that this this fellow was doing is he was running everything through a Boss slicer um, in order to create the rhythms, the beats. It's the pedal that's uh, so far ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's, I know. I don't understand how it hasn't. You know, people are like talking about like Strymons and getting weird effects and stuff like that. You never see the SL20. No, they've always been there. And, and this is the thing. Another one, uh, this is a, and, and this other pedal is a pedal that, that the guitarist in my band has and a number of other people in our genre, the uh, Digitech Timebender. The most yeah. the most underrated, super cool, weird delay pedal. I wonder what they're going for these days. Well, I don't know. I mean, he got glitches. it for about £50. And then, um, it, yeah, this, uh, this guitarist was running everything through the slicer, then sampling it into the TC Electronic Ditto Times 4. Okay. And then was able to bring bits in and out, like beats in and out via that. And then um, I did notice, weirdly positioned at like the end of the chain, was, do you remember the yellow double boss pedal? The distortion one? Yeah. 20? At the, at the end? Well, it's positioned at the end. Obviously, that doesn't really have to mean anything, but um, I thought that was I thought that was quite interesting. Way ahead of its time. Yeah. I did 20. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what? Drive zone. <laughs> More so than the slicer. I mean, well, I mean, the OD20 came out in, I think it was like 2007, 2006. Right. But there wasn't really anything that was doing like... Mo- so this, to, for people who haven't seen it, it's got was it three, six, I think it's 12 distortion types with a variation on each one of those. So it modelled the HM2, which everyone goes on about, and the MT2. It did all the stuff like the original OD1. Then it did things like a Clon Centaur, a Big Muff, and like <laughs> a, a, and and a rat. You could have four memories, and you could control your amp channel with it as well. So you could go to one memory that would be like an OD1, and then you could go to the fuzz face, but you could also press the amp control button so it could change the channel on your amp as you change the preset. So you can have a boost going into a distorted side of your amp or a fuzz going into the clean side. With an always on, you just had to dial it in, heavy octave blend. So you could literally, any sound, you could blend in a lower octave. I thought it was a wicked pedal. I sort of feel OD20. like if you if you had the pedals from that series, if you had the Slicer, the OD20 and the uh, RE20, in itself, that would be quite a, quite a good rig, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm tempted to just buy like an old RE20 and an old Slicer and just have those two. Slicers were good. Tim, yeah. Tim actually sold his recently. Well, maybe he didn't. Maybe he hasn't sold it yet. I wonder if I can borrow it off of him if he they're, hasn't. They're still current, right, Matty? Uh, RE20? No, no SL20. Slicer. slicer. 
SL20, uh, yes and no. You can still get them, but they are, I think, out of production. Now. Right, ah. fine, fine. Yeah, just looking at a shop here, there's still got some in stock. So, um, yeah, I just, it was so far ahead of its time doing like the 3D, like yeah. fake 3D. Bah, bah, audio. Bah, 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 yes, it did that. Exactly. That. Oh, Rhythmic yeah. tremolo that's, delay. Oh, was, oh, yes. That's what you want. Very interesting indeed. Love yeah. them. Absolutely. So, so at this uh, Bad Pond Festival, other than drinking an entire bottle of Fireball, I was also going to be performing a show. And so, um, a few days before, I'd brought along my sort of now set up again um, jazz bass. Got like a, I've got a really nice. It's the it's the lacquer series. It's the Mexican made, but they did a lacquer series of the sixties jazz bass. I've got one of those with like some antiquity pickups in it, which are really nice, like lovely sunburst thing so I'd, I'd normally play that for shows and i brought that to rehearsal for the first time having played my recently acquired real 1969 precision bass and i played it and the rest of my band were like man that doesn't sound as good as you know exactly. the, the, the p bass sounds the best and i was like man in six seven years of being in this band i don't think any of you have ever commented on my bass tone so i'm gonna take that as a sign that this 69p bass is fantastic. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to play it at this gig, the, this first gig we'll, we'll have had since I've had this p bass. I'm going to play it at this festival. And I was like, oh, do I want to play it at a festival where, you know, it's going to go into like storage with a load of other bands. It's very expensive. I haven't put it on my insurance yet. You know, I've never gigged a bass this expensive. I'm used to sort of getting really drunk and then throwing my instrument at people. Like I can't do that. So um, I was in two minds about it, but I was like, no, it sounds so good and I want to sound so good. So I, I took the, uh, the precision bass and, uh, and of course you play a little bit more aggressively live than, uh, than you would in a rehearsal studio. First track comes to the big old heavy bit. I, uh, I give it a good old smack and the nut splits in yes. half and the e-string flies off the uh off of the the board and there i was left oh. with uh <laughs> with the uh, less uh, you know probably three minutes into the set and of course i was so drunk that the guys were like uh they were like do, do you want us to bring your backup bass through because the backstage was quite a, a long way away because there were two stages yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, at the concord so Oh yeah, weren't you in the bar? We were in the bar yeah, stage. Of course, yeah. it makes so, sense. So I was like, I was like, no, it's fine. Leave my backup bass. So there was no way of getting it now. So because there would be another band on in the other yeah, area, yeah, yeah. I couldn't get through. So I had to just transpose the rest of our set <laughs> onto uh, on, onto the remaining three strings. I'm sure. I'm sure it was great. <laughs> I know that you, after a bottle of Fireball yeah. Plus transposing onto not the normal string yeah uh i can't imagine it turned out well no it's fine i think i did an all right job to be honest and and i was still able to what i managed to do was just sort of like i could hold the string on and then i was able to sort (laughs) of tune it so it was just in enough (laughs) that i could still get some open sort of low d if i if i needed do we know if it was the original nut it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Okay, it, so it, it wasn't. I actually had it. I was going to say, it's lasted 50 years and yeah. uh, now <laughs> and brand and I, uh, broken it within be, a couple of minutes. Because I play uh, very thick strings, I had to have one recut right. um, uh, for, for it. So Did you keep the original? I've got the original. That, yeah. yeah, I've got the original and you know, I've got both pieces of the new one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know what? It just reaffirmed to me that, you know, cheap, cheap basses are great. 
Cheap bases are great. All yeah. bases are great. <laughs> um, but you should just put a new nut on it and stop playing stupid tunings and it'll be fine. Yeah. And you if know, not, just give it to me. That's never happened on any of my jazz bases. Well, yeah, but it's probably, got nothing to do with the nut, no. with the bass, is it? The nut. It's, it's, it's nut. literally you were probably just a bit more hammered than normal, yeah. and accidentally smashed it a bit more hard, yes. a bit harder than normal. Yes, exactly. That that is almost definitely the case. Um, shall we? Uh, shall we have a look and see what's in the news this week? So, uh, first up, Fender. I mean, this isn't especially new news. This was around last week, but I want to talk about it. Nonetheless, Fender have um, have done something that's, that's gone against, I think, what, what really they've been doing very well recently, which is having their finger on the pulse. And they've gone against that by making a, ha- a load of Game of Thrones guitars. So this is the collaboration between Fender and Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones dudes and dudettes. I believe it was DB Vice, who is one of the showrunners who actually is involved in this. And he's got a showrunner, just a runner. No, no, no. The showrunner is like the catch-all name for someone who makes the show happen. Uh, right. um, in this case, I think they're um, our Game of Thrones creator he's listed as, but I think he's like script and I think he directed a couple of episodes and stuff. Right. Um, so um, I believe he's a guitar player um, and he, this is basically a collaboration between uh, him uh, and the Game of Thrones license and uh, Fender Custom Shop. So three guitars... Uh, inspired by the house sigils of Game of Thrones, um, Lannisters, Starks, and Targaryens. So they didn't do a Baratheon. There is no Baratheon, unfortunately. Is that because the Baratheons aren't in it anymore? Um, are there any? I mean, there's no. Yeah, that. There's fam- the one on the boat. Uh, yeah, sure, he's on the boat. Huh? Um, no Game of Thrones spoilers, thanks. Um. And yeah, so there's basically yeah three guitars, each uh, based on one of the houses' sigils. So you've got a telly bearing the Stark emblem. Um, that's, AG- that's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that uh, suits suits well, the Stark. I'll so give you a little a sort of working person. Totally, guitar. totally. Um, the um, Lannisters have got a Jaguar, uh, Ooh, and I don't know about that. Targaryens are on a Strat. Mm. I think it makes total sense. I think. Totally. Starks is working man, so you've got your telly. Yeah. You've got Lannisters on the fancy, and I'll go through the spec well, in a minute. Well, that should be Jazzmaster if it's fancy. Uh, no, the, the Jaguar's fancy. Jaguar's not fancy. Well, wait, in fact, do they call this... What do they call this? Jaguar, they yeah. They do call it a Jaguar, yeah. 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 Um, and then, yeah, you know, somewhere in the middle, you've got the strap for the, for the Targaryens. Yeah, so, makes sense. What, what- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What makes it so expensive? Are they one-offs? They're not one-offs. They are, as far as I'm aware, they are built as they sell. How so, expensive are they? Then? Um, so let me do a quick rundown and give you. So these are built by uh, Ron Thorne, who's the master builder, who is kind of, I guess, the most prominent master builder these days. He's the one whose name we hear most, particularly for these kind of show pieces. Um, right. He uh, does very, very intricate work, and that's definitely the case here. Um, so let's go one by one. So House Stark Telly, twenty-five thousand dollars. Um, light, uh, lightweight sw- swamp ash body um, with a sterling silver binding, I believe. Yeah, it's kind of like a binding, but wow. it's like on top of the guitar. It's kind of like an inlay on the body, sterling silver. Um, and it's got kind of like a, uh, how would you describe it? They call it, uh, haven't got the name here, but it's kind of like a washed grey. You know, it's very kind of um, stark iron winterfell kind of uh, right. vibe to it yeah. um and it's pretty much just a telly there's nothing else particularly going on you've got the dire wolf sigil on the scratch plate which is a metal scratch plate um and two hand graved knobs uh and that's about it. There's not a huge, not much else to say about right, that. Sure. That's kind of the most basic of the lot. So next up, you've got the uh, Lannisters Jaguar, thirty thousand um, dollars. This is an older body, uh, and the key thing about this is the top is inlaid with twenty-four karat gold leaf, um, and it's like it looks like almost like the carpet that would be in one of the uh, or like from the background of a flag of the Lannisters sure, sure. It's very very tapestry s yes very regal so um yeah you've got this kind of yeah as you say gold leaf tapestry um and they did say what color um doesn't well actually they've got it listed here as burnt crimson um as the finish that's underneath the gold leaf but it's kind of like a it was described in the video as a dakota red so it's that kind of very 
very contrasty red. Yes. Um, Blood red. With the, with, the, uh, with the gold. Pickups are interesting. Pickups are interesting. So there are actually two strap pickups um, in 24 karat gold, um, like, lipstick covers. Yeah. So, again, you know, it doesn't particularly look like, they don't look like Jazzmaster pickups. Control out is the same as a as a regular Jazz, uh, Jaguar. Um, and you've obviously got the Jaguar bridge on there as well. Um, and then last up, the House Targaryen Strat. Now, this one is the most interesting to me because this one takes the most time. So, um, watching the video with Ron Thorne, he was saying, saying that it normally takes him to, like, carve and kind of um, get into shape a Strat body. Right. Normally takes him around two hours. He was saying that this takes somewhere in the region of 20 hours because the top is actually textured, kind of like um, like a wood pattern, I guess. How do they describe it here? Dragon scales, that's what it is, yeah. um, of course, because it's uh, House Targaryen. So, yeah, it's kind of a scaled finish, um, and it looks absolutely incredible in the video. Did, do you reckon, is that hand-carved? Or it is hand-carved, yeah. You would have thought that... I mean, maybe because obviously it's master built, but surely you could burn that in. Like you could laser print that. You could laser do that on a CNC. So <laughs> interestingly, the gold leaf, I believe, is laser cut. But this, he he says something about it in the video that they just couldn't get it right. So yeah, it's all done by hand, um, which is why this one is the most expensive at thirty five thousand um, dollars. Goodness me! Indeed, in terms of um, spec on this one, you know, again, there's nothing particularly um, stand out. You know, it's just a strap, but it's got these incredible hand carving on it. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, so there's some more stats here. So they reckon that if you were going to build all three guitars, it takes around 300 hours to do the set. Um, And I believe you can buy them as a set as well. Um, Each comes with a custom strap. Uh, The cases, here we go. Uh, Game of Thrones, how stark Telecaster guitar case features a faux wolf fur lining and a black suede exterior as an homage to the direwolf sigil. The House Lannister Jaguar guitar case features gold accents, including a crushed gold velvet interior and all gold hardware. (laughs) Uh, The House Targaryen Strat guitar case boasts an all-black reptile design on its exterior with red stitching inside and out. So they're they're being very, uh, very spot on, very on the nose with the kind of uh, adornments of these guitars. my My only issue here is the sort of person who is obsessed with an HBO television series. Yeah about boobies it's not about that right right okay essentially you know peter stringfellow's lord of the rings here um is the sort of person who's into those sorts of things also someone with thirty five thousand dollars of dispensable cash well you know what i always think if someone is willing to spend ten thousand dollars on gene simmons bass after a kiss show then there's definitely someone out there willing to spend $30,000 on something like this. And, and do you know what's interesting? The more I think about it, the more I'm like, we're so used, especially in the time that we've been podcasting to, and even really in the time that we've probably worked in stores, Mark maybe saw the tail end of it, but Fender doing like classic Fender designs. And I think it started with like Mike Eldred, like going, oh, we're going to make a, an Esquire and we're going to relic it. But actually, Fender Custom Shop was never about that. Yeah, Fender Custom Shop was always about the absolute ridiculous. And I mean, I used to have the Fender Custom Shop book from like the late 80s to the 
the kind of late nineties. But we've and seen doing it... things like doing things like the snooker guitar that came in a case that was also a pool table and then came with a matching set of snooker balls. Yes. <laughs> you know, and all that's all that sort of stuff. You know, and I guess Fender are just trying to say we still make this, we can still do this, and it is still and that's what NAM's about in a way. Um, well, I found we the saw it this they got year. To endorse it, very weird. Yeah, yeah. I so thought... I, I was just going to say we saw it this year with you know the uh, or maybe it was last year the pinball machine guitar, um, and that you know they've been doing these kind of show pieces again for for a couple of years, um, and th- that's what this is worth mentioning. They all have a um, custom inlay as well, and some of them are steel. There's some steel inlays oh, on yeah. these guitars. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, Matt, talk about the video because the video is as well as showing how the guitar. I made and having a really good chat with um, the the builder. There are some weird players showing them off. Any yeah, of well, the cast? None of the cast. Oh. Unfortunately. No. Although well, DB Vice, the showrunner, does play guitar in the video. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I my the weirdest one for me. Well, I guess the three the three main ones. You've got Scott Ian from Anthrax, Tom Morello, and oh, they got Tom Morello uh, in. Oh. And and Nuno Betancourt. But <laughs> Nuno Betancourt did a post. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm still washburn through and through, but I couldn't, I couldn't say no when they asked me to do this." And I'm like, "How was Nuno Betancourt like the first person you thought of when you wanted to do a Game of Thrones guitar?" Yeah, it's, it's so I mean, weird. Tom Morello, someone who's so like, I mean, I know Tom Morello was in an episode of Star Trek and is probably massively into Game of Thrones, but someone who's again just like people spending loads of money and like, you know, he's played the same like bits of guitar for 30 years to then like be in a video representing a 30,000 pound strat you're a bit like <laughs> what it was very a very very weird lineup because again you know like you know you wouldn't necessarily associate scott ian with like fender tellies is that um, what he played uh, yeah, he's telly. got the telly, yeah. So, yes, <laughs> Scott Ian's got the telly, Tom Morello's got the Strat, and Nuno Betancourt's got the Jaguar. Of course. Um, and, yeah, it's a weird lineup. They've obviously just gone, like, who do we know that likes Game likes games uh, Game of Thrones? Um, get them in, get them in. And the video is cool. It is quite weird, though. It's quite weird to see those three. And they're playing the Game of Thrones theme tune on the guitar. Oh, right. Tom Morello's, like, using the whammy to do, like, oh, different bits and stuff. <laughs> he can't resist. <laughs> Cannot resist. I got, I got, can I bring my whammy pedal in? Rather you didn't. Um... Yeah, no, I'm bringing it in. Um, but, yeah, do check out the video. Check out the guitars. They are very, very different from, you know, Custom Shop, Esquire, or the, the guitars that we love. Um, but I think they're I, cool. I guess the thing is, you forget that, actually, if you have all the money... There's nothing stopping you going to fend- going to a dealer right now and specking up the most ridiculous, like specking up a guitar like this straight from the custom shop and going, yeah, I want like, you know, I always remember one of the craziest options and I think it was like an extra 800 bucks was color matching. It's like if you send in a color example of anything, they're like, we will match it and then paint your guitar in that color. So we can you do know, guitar notes sort of pink. You forget that. Do the, do yeah, the exact color. Pink. So the yeah, only the thing, exact color. and as you say, the only thing, Matt, standing between you know you and getting that is thirty five thousand dollars plus the eight hundred yeah, pounds yeah. for the, the color matching. I kind of think that's still why they still do these things. So you know, there must be some people out there who are like, I don't know, whatever they do, someone who's made a fortune in running a, like nightclubs or something, who's got loads what, a Game of, of Thrones themed. No, nightclub. no, 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 no. But like someone out there Rave who's you know who doesn't want to. <laughs> 
to just get a butterscotch telly. You know, we do this because we love guitars, but there are people out there who are guitar players who have a lot of money who also do other things that they want represented in their guitar. So, you know, it might be that they, I don't know, like, remember when the guy from Lit got the martini glass inlay? You know, like things like that, you know, just like, I've got loads of money, I like ridiculous things, but I also like guitar, so I want my ridiculous things on my guitar. I wonder how much it's going to cost me to get, like, a, a guitar in the shape of my face. Uh, the thing is, quite I want it in the shape as well as like with my face on it. Okay. I always said if I was if I was if I ran a guitar store, I had enough money, I would definitely go to Fender Custom Shop and go build me. I'd buy a Lamborghini. I'd get them to build it in the exact same color, and then when you open the boot, the guitar comes out as well with the matching blues junior. Wait, didn't they do like, that? Just do something like that. Uh, no. They did that? that. Someone did that. They've done cars and that, but they haven't done one where the guitar pops out of the boot. Yes, they have. We spoke about it. Really? Yeah, I'm sure we have. I think Matt's probably just talked about it before. I think mm. I've spoke about it. It's like that. And We've done 215 covers. episodes. <laughs> We've talked about everything before. 213. This okay, is fine, 213. Fine. Regular episodes. Of course, sure. there's loads of, loads of additionals. Anyway, um, Head Rush, you know, major competitors to the Boss GT1000 and the Line 6 Helix. Headrush with their pedal board and their gig board this week. They have announced their new pedal. Will it be something to rival the the new HX uh, Stomp? You know, will it be something? Will it be additional amps or new modes to rival the updates of the GT1000? No, they are thinking outside of the box. They have instead introduced the Looper board, an eight hundred dollar. Loop pedal. That's it's quite a lot. Nuts. That's it is pretty, pretty nuts. It's in fact actually well eight hundred. It's eight hundred ninety nine dollars. Oh. Uh, at map. So, I saw this and was instantly like, "This looks wicked," um, because I like looping and I like doing um, ridiculous looping things. And I don't have any friends and I don't play any gigs. So I'm like, okay, I need to do <laughs> lots of looping. So, you know, four loops. Good. Four loops. That's cool. Color, how many, how many did you get on the RC 300? Uh, good question. Oh, you get three. Oh. Yeah, there you go. So four, one more, one more, For one, one more loop. Colored screen. Like well, not just colored. It's, the, it's the same seven inch, um, touch screen that they have on the, um, on the gig board and yep. pedal board. Yeah. You also get um, a full set of onboard effects. Yeah, I thought it was quite quite interesting. A whole bunch of extra foot switches to yeah. control built-in uh, loads length, of built-in speed. drum machines as well, all with their yeah, own effects. Backing tracks, yeah. which can all be looped. Intelligent time stretching, uh, which I thought was quite cool. Yeah, so that's cool. Tapping a tempo, uh, import and export. You can use it as an interface. Yeah, it can Combi go USB straight back. in, and you can run uh, backing tracks off of your computer that way as well. Yeah. The only thing is it seems like they've basically just improved the looper on the head rush. The looper because on the head rush is amazing, though. But the thing is, they, I think personally that, it, one, I think it's too much money. Because okay, so the more I delved into it, I'm like, I was like, yeah, and I think they really could have, because I, I assumed when I first saw a picture of it, it was going to be the same size as the gig board. Yeah, me too. But it's not. It's, it's the, the same size as size it's, think as about the head rush. Think it's about massive. that, listener. It's a looper that's the size. And bear in mind that the the head rush pedal board was bigger than the Helix. 
I think yeah. the GT one thousand is is pocket sized in comparison to. So to I that. think they've made a couple of errors, unless they're obviously planning other things down the line. But I think what they're going for is someone plugs in their acoustic, someone plugs in their keyboard, someone plugs in all their other bits and pieces into this one thing and then it's got all the effects in it but rather than having the effects layout like the head rush pedal board it's got the looper layout instead because it's basically a head rush pedal board it's just they've they've re they've jigged around what's the main priority and the main priority Mm. is looping i think as a guitar player looking to loop i think there are cheaper and more accessible instantly fun options well of course well, I mean, the one thing that always stands out for me and I think is almost a benchmark of any cool looper for guitar players is the DL4. And I think if you don't cover that instant like loop, half speed, half time, yeah. stop with the kind of stutter thing that's created so many interesting, fun, great loops, yeah, then you've sort of lost it. And it, and it seems so complicated to do anything apart from loop uh, do we do we um, not it, do we not think though is this product not for someone who you know they're doing a set they're doing an ed sheeran set well, basically yeah you know, they're but, doing a multi-instrumental set that's, but is that's it, what they're trying to do is it not for people who are like okay my options are i'm doing this complicated thing i could take a laptop and some sort of interface and some sort of floor controller or I could take this all-in-one box that does everything that is less likely to crash. You know, we've seen multiple instances, heard of multiple yeah, instances yeah. where sure, laptops yeah. have crashed mid-set. No one ever wants to bring a laptop. Well, to completely, a show. yeah, because you know you'll spill a beer on it, or well, they're not made. You know, a MacBook isn't made really for a kind of gigging environment. Um, so, is it not for that? Like, and I understand it's a lot of money, yeah. but you know, how much are you going to spend on a laptop plus a floor controller plus a reliable interface? Mm. No, I think I think you're totally right. I think there's a very very specific customer for this and i think really just speaking for me i was like really hoping it'd be a crazy thing for just a guitar player who wants to do loads of interesting layered loop stuff actually really for someone who wants to do lots of different instruments into one pedal without having a separate pedal board and let that do all the work for you yeah yeah i think the integration of effects is great but a guitar player is never going to really make use of what's in that because they're going to want to use their own um but if you're an acoustic guitar player or you're a vocalist i think it's got a bunch of great stuff in that you're going to use aside and and you like mark said you know not bring not bring a laptop yeah that's that's what it seems to me it's a laptop replacement and you know is for someone i guess who's like the front person or someone in the band who's like controlling everything. I agree, and that is good. It's just that it's also the price of a laptop. Like, I well, just... not really. Like to get a, like a musician's no, laptop, I, you need I, like a MacBook Pro, which I is know, I know really two grand. You know? It would have been nice if this could have been kept down to the five hundred pound mark. Sure. I think I think at at nine hundred dollars, you have got to be so very very invested in 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 exactly this. You need to need. Exactly this. So as long as Eleven Rack have have built this with sort of the idea that um, you know there's going to be a, a a very niche handful of people out there who require 
at all at this price point. Well, I can only imagine that they've had feedback from people using the headrush saying, we love the looper, ideal, I brilliant. Mean, the, the looper it's not is, enough. is unbelievable on the on the headrush. Have you, have you used it? Like it, no. it, it's, it's got fantastic, like the ability to not only infinitely slow down, but infinitely speed up your loop. Yeah, yeah. On, on double timing it, on tapping either side of it, which just makes it like a ton of fun. And like, on that big pedal board, it's so well laid out. Everything's so clear. It's it's probably the best looper. I've, I mean, I remember at the time I was I was messing around with it. I was comparing it to the Helix looper, and I was like, "This is loads better." And yeah. Line Six are essentially they're kind of the, you know, they they create the DL four. They're yeah, the yeah, people yeah, yeah, when yeah. it comes to a, a looper, and they, you know, the, uh, um. Yeah, it, it just uh, it was very good the head rush, but I, I mean I assume that this loop board is the first in what will be like the looper gig board. Yeah, yeah, which totally. Be the smaller version, I guess. I, I was really hopeful for something that basically didn't have the effects that would just just allow me to do some really like quick and complex looping stuff. Like yeah. we were talking about the band that you saw earlier, Joe, who was running everything into a. A ditto you times know, four, which is what was actually there was sampling everything in, that sort of stuff. yeah. And then the drummer was having to listen to that in, in order to play with it, which I thought was incredible of of the drummer to do that and keep time with it all. Amazing, but but yes, yeah, you know, something like this would obviously be a fantastic solution. Um, um, Matt Knight, tell yes. me about rare fenders. Rare fenders. I, that wasn't the one I thought you were going to Oh, go well, for. okay. Well, it, do you know what? <laughs> We've done some fender already, so let's do. It's just because we're running out of time and it was more interesting. But yes. Well, we can do it. We, we've, it... we've always got Patreon. We, we can do it on Patreon. We're, Make okay. them pay. We're going to talk about the fender rarities in Patreon in that case. So, Matt Knight, talk to me about Electro Harmonics. Uh, although I must admit this product is a little bit more boring. But for some people, uh, like myself, who run relatively complex setups from time to time, this is quite an interesting product. So this is the Electroharmonics Switchblade Pro. Um, obviously, we're seeing an abundance of new what I call utility pedals enter the market. JHS had some at NAMM. Uh, we saw the Swiss Things from Earthquaker. And this is the upgrade to the Switchblade, which was always a kind of go-to cheap um, AB box for players when we when we worked in store. The Switchblade Pro is a AB box, but it has um, an AB switch, an A plus B switch, and then a bypass switch to bypass the whole thing. But what's really interesting is you've got a volume control for each loop. So um, if you're running, say, for example, two different... Or actually, take an example I had recently where I'm using Electromonics Memory Man, which has always got a little bit of a volume drop when you turn it on. So you've got a pedal that's maybe a little bit more vintage and you just need to give it a little bit more volume uh, and you want to match it to the rest of your rig so you can match up volumes. But you can also run it series or parallel so if you want to run two delays in parallel, that's quite cool. That's great. Or if you want to run a drive and a delay in parallel and then blend in the dry level. Or just patch A straight into B and then use it as a straight ahead boost. So there's quite a few cool options that you can um, that you can actually do with it as well. Obviously, you could run just out of the two sends and use it as an AB for, for amps. But the, the main thing is, obviously, you've got a standard input and output and then two loops. So the main idea would be that you would be running it for two different effects chains that you could then 
uh, switch between like flip flop between A and B, or blending in two different types like a like a drive and a delay, and maintain some clarity in your drive while also running quite a kind of heavy sort of um, delayed sound. Yeah. What I think it's is a very very cool little um, switcher box. What I think is quite good about it is it's not a huge amount of money. They're they're saying hundred and twenty three dollars fifty. So I'm, I reckon it's going to be about the hundred specific. Well, I think it's going to be about the hundred quid price roughly. Yeah. Um, and for a box that does quite a lot, that's not a huge amount of money. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I, the switch blade blade plus, um, you know, was always a great little ABY. Um, these are a little cheaper. My only problem with a B pedals, I and I don't know why, and this could just be sort of the nature of the of Tim, the guitarist in my band. I don't know since since I've known him, he's maybe got through. I don't exaggerate when I say like seven, eight, or just of the electronics one, or no, no, just in uh, general. We try. So yeah, we we first of all were using Switchblade pluses, and they were great. And I think at about the fourth or fifth one going down, we were like, right, let's find something else. So Fender do a cheap one. They're actually made in the same factory as the Morley ABYs. They're actually the same. Yep. Yeah, they yeah. just say Fender or Morley. I think there's like a few, like the Whirlwind one, I think, also Probably the same factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went went for those ones. Same thing. Same thing happened, went down. Okay, thought, right, well, it's because they're cheap ABYs. I don't know. I don't know anything about electricity. Maybe there's something to do with the fact that, you know, you've got a guitar going in, two different pedal boards going into it, and then it going into two amps, and the fact that he's using it a lot. I don't know. Is it having to deal with a lot? Is the circuit under a lot of pressure? I don't know. But um, Is the circuit under it just a bit stressed? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they kept breaking, so we thought, well, maybe we need to invest in an expensive one. Also, we're getting, like, terrible ground lift off of a lot of those ones buzz ground buzz, yeah ground noise yeah. Uh, off of those ones so we thought right let's get the orange one because orange do an expensive one that even has like a a phase button on it which apparently does something so we were like we'll get we'll get that so we got the uh the orange one which was expensive like 150 quid the others are like 30 40 yeah quid. yeah um yeah that one broke too yeah and, uh, I, I just think it's a i don't know why i think they're all because they're so simple inside, yeah. I think it is just like a real simple circuit. Put it in a box, job done. The one that I've always uh, liked is the ART Cool Switch, but they doesn't have a light. They do have a light, but you have to power them. Right. So they'll work in active or passive mode. They're, if they're passive, you don't get the light, and if they're active, you do you get can the put light. Battery in them though? Can you? Not put yeah, battery yeah, in? you can put a battery but in then them. I yeah. guess if you leave them on a pedal board, then it's just yeah, going to run out. Battery. Totally, yeah. totally. But I they think, they um, are also a bit breaky. So yeah. I, think, I think the radial did a good it's, one. It's radial. It's radial that doesn't have a light. So we tried using uh, that for a while, but it's just impossible in a live situation to remember where you are. <laughs> you know what uh, will last ages and does have a light? The Boss NS2. That's no, a, that's LS2. a noise doesn't do LS2. you can't do it you can't switch between a and a and b which is the, yeah. the switching that you Matt, need when to, are you be gonna, able to do Matt when are you going to release a product that does that Hold on I was just having a look at mine and just LS, and looking at admiring LS3, how awesome it is that's what you want you, you want an um, LS3 Yeah you can do you can you do can loads do, of different modes Yeah but not um, but it, but it's not really designed for um it's not really designed for doing well you can do you can do two amps if you're switching between one or the other and then yes. obviously matching volume. But, but you can't, it you can't really have do both an ABY. Yeah. yeah. And that's, no. that's, I find, I find um, that quite weird, Matt. And, you know, maybe feed this back. That, uh, make you, an LS3. Just make an ABY that doesn't break. A signature 
Joe Branton LS3. No, don't go that far. That's stupid. Yeah. But a little ABY that won't break. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, I, I would like uh, that. Did you know, I, I actually got an LS2 because I just presumed that it could it could do that. Because I thought when everything was breaking, I was like, you know what company doesn't break? Boss. Yeah. And then, of course, I found out, you know what company hasn't worked out that people want to use two amps at once? I think the thing is that you got to remember, we made the LS2 in like 1989. Yeah, I know. I think at that point, people could probably were just running like mega stereo rigs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, no one was actually like, doing a sort of wet dry or like an ABY. They were like, why don't you just run both amps at once? What are you, crazy? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. I think what had been, what have even been nice is just an external jack in for in a second foot switch that just the boss pedal would do the AB and then the, the third one would, would do the Y. Yeah. You know who would make you a very good one? Uh, Bright right onions. now. Yes, he would. Yeah, Bright James Onion Bright effects. Onion. Yes, yes, I think uh, we do need to go back to that because we've uh we've sort of um taped back together one of the old fender ones at the moment but yeah <laughs> not ideal <laughs> not, not, not really, ideal. really really not ideal anyway that uh that brings us up to time for this week's regular episode of the guitar nerds podcast we're going to be continuing over on patreon which is a bucket of fun we do a, a half hour extra episode every week on patreon where we're going to talk about continued things from the news uh, i've also found some very interesting guitars on ebay that i want to talk about and uh, we're going to talk about Stop cool going on eBay accessories as well. Oh, sorry, sorry, on Reverb. Well, it wasn't on Reverb. I would have got it on Reverb Fine. if it was on Reverb. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, what am I supposed to do now? Oh, yes. The outro. Yeah, yeah. Patreon. That's right. We're doing Patreon. You can support Patreon, yes, for, for like... Not a, support Patreon, support, no, us, support on us on Patreon. They, Patreon. Patreon have got enough money. They, they need no support. They do have We need the money. support. Have you, they're, they're changing the rules, actually. Oh, don't. Let's not get into it. They're making it more expensive for, for, people, for people to be like us, for like creators. But, Great. But not us. We, we... Are we under the bar? Yeah. Okay, we'll pay... People at home need to pay us enough so we almost get to the bar, but we're oh, under no. the bar. No, there'll never be a bar. What do you mean that never a bar? Because we joined Patreon long enough ago. Yes, that they're mate. like we're gonna make sure that OG. It's, yeah, that you're the original people. It's called founders. We're called founders. Nice. Now. Yeah. So the first men. So if you were thinking about starting a Patreon, ha! But you know we we've got a good one. Anyway, uh, you can support us on Patreon for as little as one dollar a month. One dollar a month gets you the regular episode ad free and early. Five dollars a month gets you uh, all of that plus the. Uh, the Patreon episode and loads of other mini series too, and ten dollars a month makes you an executive producer and gets your name read out in one breath by me. <clears throat> Are you really not doing Game of Thrones? No, we did that earlier. I thought do Shannar Twain instead. Oh, yeah, that's the same. Christopher Franklin, Andy Joyce, John Anglin, Adam Moyes, Chris, Jake Cutmore, Robert Dossers, Rob Poole, Scott Allison, Dr. Amadon, Arnie Cooper, Ross Edwards, Nate Nagel, Stephen Ernst, Rob Grant, Matt Roberts, Steve Lee, Henry James Baker, Juan Goya, Aaron Sharman, Blake Wyland, Andrew Goody, Jamie Cobb, Jake Gray, Matt Bellamy, Martin Cliff, Scott Kennedy, Christopher Lowson, Hans Arms, Robert Smith, Derek Rich, Chris Connors, Rob Norbank, Duncan Watson, Ed Bundley, Steve Markle, DJ Mark Ross, Michael McRae, Carlos Mancha, Andy McKenzie, Brad Poole, 
Price, Platinum, Scott O'Brien, Laurie Anderson, Paul Kerrigan, Will Clare, Moon Gravit, Phil Tonset, Adrian Day, Gunsayers, Matthew King, Scott Kane, Sean Owen, Christopher Wolfman, Capitan! That was close. Um, Let's go, girls. (laughs) 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 Oh, Matty. You can, of course, uh, follow us on Instagram at at GuitarNerds, on Twitter at at GuitarNerds, or on YouTube at at GuitarNerds Videos, where we're putting out weekly lovely content. A video every week. A video every week. Unbelievable. We'll uh, we'll, uh, see you on the Patreon if you're going there. Farewell. Patreon. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.